So there's a misconception that if you're single, you are incomplete, perhaps damaged, salvaged, and you won't be happy until you find your one. And that is not true. That is bullshit. It is a message that has been fed to us by media and advertising. The truth is, when you're single, you have the richest soil for growth. That's why I created this podcast. And unlike other podcasts, this one is host-driven, not guest-driven. That means I will be rotating health and wellness experts three times a week to give you the giant box of wellness crayons, not just the primary colors, so you can start building a meaningful life. It's time to give singlehood a cape. So today's host, Lindsay Burke, she and I go way back, back when I was working in addiction, residential, Malibu, driving my little motorcycle on PCH to help people with addiction, and she was on my team. I'm so happy that she is a part of this rotating host and experts for this podcast. Lindsay Burke is the founder of Lift Therapy, and she's a licensed therapist, behavior interventionist coach, martial artist, yes, martial artist, a wife, a parent, and expert consultant on attachment, narcissism, and toxic relationships, as well as early childhood development. Yes, she does everything. And she believes that human connection is the best medicine and is committed to helping people heal by helping them develop healthy attachments with others. Her mission is to enhance the field of mental health by making support and resources more accessible to you in the form of psychoeducation, supportive programming, and individual therapy. Lindsay has served as a host for the Disney Plus show Reconnect and as an advisor and expert writer for various newspapers, podcasts, and radio shows such as the uh, Chicago Tribune, Relation Up, P-Therapy, Life and Style Magazine, Pop Sugar, and on and on and on. She is very talented. She's a powerful catalyst, and I hope you enjoy. Well, I know you're going to enjoy and get so much out of her episode today. Hi, everybody. This is Lindsay, and today I have the absolute privilege of interviewing an incredibly talented woman who has quite literally rewritten her own story, Amber Sousa. She is the founder and owner of All of Me, a holistic and healing studio in Redondo Beach that focuses on movement, meditation, mindfulness, offering classes from yoga to breathwork to Reiki to acupuncture, plyo jam, cardio dance, fitness classes, which I am dying to come to and try myself. And uh, she also does her own intuitive coaching. She is a writer and a performer of her one woman show, Waking Up to All of Me, about her personal battle between the ego and the soul and learning to distinguish between the two, which came to a head with her own divorce, which just hearing that gave me chills when I when I read that initially. So I'm just so excited to learn more about this story. And last but not least, she is the mother to two incredible children, her eight-year-old son and 10-year-old daughter. Today, she is going to share her beautiful yet tough journey with us and uh, more importantly, the wisdom she's gained along the way. So thank you so much, Amber, for joining the show today, Single on Purpose, and uh, we just could not be more grateful to have you on here today. Thank you, Lindsay. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really grateful. Yeah. So Amber, in your initial response to me, you noted that you had actually been an athlete your entire life. And you grew up as a gymnast, a dancer, a performer. And then after birthing your son at the age of 40, 
you say that everything kind of came to a head. And I think this was a really good place for us to start. I'm really dying to hear about this part of your story because I think we all kind of come to these breaking points at times. You experienced your own, what you call dark night of the soul, um, along with this debilitating back pain that just forced you into this wake up call and completely pushed you to your own personal breaking point. Probably one of many, but there, it sounds like that was one that just really um, stands out. And I would love it if you could tell us a little bit about what led up to that and what finally forced you to wake up to yourself, as you call it. Yes. Thank you. Um, absolutely. Leading up to that point. I, like you said, had been a gymnast and a dancer and I had always relied on my physical body hmm. to help me, you know, get through any kind of stress I was going through. Like that was always yeah. my solution. I would just go work out, you know, that was, that was it. I mean, I went through, I've actually been divorced twice. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, my first divorce, I mean, I remember going to the gym and putting my headphones on and playing the music as loud as I could and just running as fast as I could. You know, this was always the way that I was able to cope. And I for whatever reason, so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I, I think burn it out. I burn, burn out the hate. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it is, I mean, I think absolutely like movement and, and exercise and fitness is incredibly important. Yeah. But in my case, if that's the only uh, outlet and you're not really allowing yourself to feel all of the feelings and facing them, mm. um, it can be a distraction, right? So in this case, um, I, I think that's what my soul decided. <laughs> like this time around, we're going to you know, take away her ability to get on the treadmill and we're going to make her really you know, face all the things that she has been repressing or suppressing. And that's, that's what, that's what happened. So I woke up at the age of 40 and I literally could not move. I mean, wow. it was like a sharp stabbing pain in my low back. It mm. took my breath away. I couldn't stand up straight. It was absolutely terrifying. And you had a baby at the time. I had a baby and I had my daughter who was two years old. So oh, yeah. yeah. And, and I also PS, uh, was the co-owner of a high intensity Pilates and fitness studio. Oh. So yeah. So I was like doing this for a living. Not only, not only did I use it for my own outlet, I was actually an owner of a fitness studio. So this is what I did for a living. And so, yes, I, to say that I, you know, hit a bottom of sorts, um, you know, is, I think so many people, yeah, so many people can relate to this, that they have any aspect of their identity tied to the performative nature mm -hmm. of their abilities, that when that piece of their identity and their that source of self-worth is taken yeah. away, just how gut-wrenching and flattening that is, just... Oh not even knowing, okay, it's, it's not just what do I do? It's who am I? Absolutely. I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was, I was that girl, you know, I was the girl on the treadmill full speed. Right. And, and I, I could not, I mean, there were, there were times where I would go down to the floor to try to get, 
find some relief in, you know, maybe I was trying to stretch or, and I would, every tiny movement I would make, it would just be the sharp stabbing pain. And it would take me, I remember this one time in particular, it literally took me over 20 minutes to get off the floor. And, you know, my son's in his crib down the way and he's crying and I, like, I can't get up off the floor and I can't pick him up out of his crib. It was, yeah, it was, it was the catalyst that I needed. Uh, Although at the time (laughs) I was like, this is the, this is the worst thing anyone could ever, you know. Which was what, which was, what was that need that, that came up? Well, I ended up uh, being introduced to meditation. And the only time I had ever tried meditation uh, was in my early 20s. And uh, I hated it. (laughs) I hated it. I was like, I remember being in this room and it was, the room was full and there was a large gong at the front and there's incense burning and gentle music. And, you know, this man is like leading us through the meditation. And I, I just wanted to jump out of my chair and run out of the door. I just, I felt so uncomfortable. And, and I made this decision. There are two different types of people. There are the people that are more of the yoga meditating types. And then there are people like me, the high intensity, you know, go, 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 the harder, the better people. So I had already made the decision that meditation was not for me, but I was desperate because I had a lot of things going on in my life. I was the mother of two small children um, you know, my marriage had its, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm divorced now, so, you know, there's a reason. Um, yeah. and I was the co-owner of a fitness studio and I, I barely felt like I was keeping my head above water. And so I was just, I was desperate. And a friend of mine introduced me to meditation. It was the, uh, the Oprah Winfrey, Deepak Chopra, 21 day meditation experiences. Yes. That was, yeah. Yes. So that was, that was how it started. And I, I made a commitment to give it the 21 days and see, you know, see how it went. And the fact that I couldn't move without experiencing, you know, excruciating pain made it easier to be in that surrendered. Yeah. To be still. (laughs) Well, to have some quiet time. It's like, okay, I'll do anything for quiet time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I remember it's funny to think back on this, but I remember it was so uncomfortable, you know, I mean, really, like I have such compassion for people who are starting a meditation practice because I've been there. And of course, it's changed for me over the years. And now I, I mean, it's something I do every single day and I don't miss it. And I can't imagine not having it be a part of my life. But at the time, you know, two minutes felt like 20. And um, I was really angry. I was really angry that it had come to that. And, you know, my ex-husband, he would, he would walk into the room or the kids would, you know, make a noise and I would get so frustrated, like you're ruining, I'm trying to do this. You know, it was, it's been a journey to say the least, but but that was, but that was the catalyst that really, um, you know, moved me in this direction. And simultaneously, this is how, in my experience, the universe, God, whatever you call it works, Right those synchronicities happen. So I had a friend introduce me to meditation and then Mm -hmm. another friend um, introduced me to Dr. John Sarno's book, Healing Back Pain, The Mind-Body Connection. Oh, okay. And that book was the first introduction to 
the possibility that what I was going through emotionally or mentally was connected to my physical body. Like I, I had never considered that before. Like mm-hmm. I would go through something and then I would just go to the gym and run it off. But this book, he, he talked about the repression of emotions, particularly anger and anxiety, mm-hmm. um, causing muscle spasms in the body, causing severe pain in the body. And I remember thinking, like, I, I never thought of myself as an angry person. I've always been an optimist. I've always, mm. you know, been really positive. And so I thought, I don't, how can this be? But on some level, it did resonate. Yeah. So I started to explore that, you know, I started to explore. I love what- that you say that. I love that you, you mentioned the anger because that is one of the kind of hallmarks, especially as a therapist. That's one of the, the hallmark ideas and ideologies that I've experienced both in myself, but also in others who've had a, a tremendous amount of anger repressed in their family system that for whatever reason, anger was not a an acceptable emotion possibly for everyone in the family, but typically, at least for them, maybe one family member was allowed to express their emotion, like the dad, dad was allowed to blow up, but everyone else needs to behave or everyone else needs to, to contain that. And they'd be embarrassed or humiliated, or it'd be frowned upon, or it'd be translated as something that it's not, or interpreted as weakness or whatever it would be. So what happens is the children become detached from that. So I think it's, that's, you mentioned something so big about how our body responds when we're repressing mm-hmm. anger, because it has to come out somewhere. Anger is protecting a, a, a violation of our humanity in some kind of way. It's letting us know there's been some kind of violation. Yes. Um, and, uh, and to think about what it takes to repress that experience to the point where you have trouble even even identifying as someone who's angry versus someone who hasn't had it repressed they can be like oh i was pissed off they're 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 right in line with their anger <laughs> they have no problem yes. acknowledging it and feeling it and experiencing it and letting it out and sharing it and usually even though that person um you know maybe looked down upon um the reality is they actually in my experience have more uh more tools for managing their anger because they've had more practice um, acknowledging that it even exists versus going into this state of repression. So when you are so repressed that not only is anger not acceptable, but you don't even identify with anger, which is impossible as a person to not experience different violations of our humanity throughout experience, throughout our life Um, to hit 40 years old and to not, you know, not have very many experiences that, connect deeply with that, that feeling, how much your body was holding on to it then for you. Yeah. I mean, I think to, you know, to normalize it, like what you just said, like it's, it is a natural human emotion and to feel rage or feel anger, like it is a normal experience. And yes, it's an imperative experience, it's an imperative experience but I think I don't, I don't necessarily know. I don't, I just had big feelings my whole life. So I don't, I don't have a memory. I don't have a memory of like my family, you know, like shutting down my anger. I I don't necessarily, but just big feelings in general, I think 
Sure. It's hard. It's hard to hold space for big feelings as a yeah. as a human, as a parent. Um, but I've and had sometimes big it's a lot of different little influences. It's just having to sit yes. still in school. It's just having to, yes. you know, that state of behaving appropriately. It's it's a lot of different influences. It's the experience of being a woman in general. Um, <laughs> oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah. I think just to even use the word rage, oh. like it's like oh taboo, right? To say right. I have rage, it's like yes, I do, <laughs> right? No, it draws a straight line to hysterical woman, straight yeah. line, right? Yeah, so so absolutely, like collectively, we have been conditioned to believe that that's not acceptable or appropriate, and so we just shut that part down, right? And um, yes, my ex-husband had no problem expressing his anger, and so when I'm reading this book, I'm thinking that's not me. Like my ex-husband now, he might have some anger or some repressed, sure. you know, but gosh, I don't. So it, it took some time for me to really, you know, understand where that anger uh, came from and what it was about and, you know, what that repression. Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, part of, I mean, there's a, there's a lot, but I think one of the main issues for me was my pattern of self-abandonment. Mm. Um, and so I think when you abandon yourself in order to adapt, to fit in with the people in your life, you know, on some level that you have abandoned yourself and like there's, there's shame, there's regret, there's anger, there's sadness. There's all of those emotions knowing that on some level you have abandoned yourself. Um, yeah. Oh, so I think yeah. that's, that's yeah. what for me, it, you know, kind of that catalyst of my back was like, Hey, it's time to, it's time to really take a look at that. Take a look at that pattern, how that's shown up um, and the feelings and the emotions that are connected to that and to own some of the anger that you have not allowed yourself to feel. Mm, that's huge. Yeah. What began to bubble up and come to the surface when that started to happen? Well, I would say the first thing that started to happen for me was um, more of a remembering of my soul self. Mm. So once I crossed this invisible line of hating meditation to really like enjoying it, I started to have this sensation of remembering or connecting to my essence, my true mm -hmm. self, the empowered version of myself that I hadn't mm -hmm. been embodying. And it was very exciting for me. And I started to feel, um, I just started to feel like passionate and I couldn't get enough. I mean, I, I just, I was like reading all these books and listening to all these things and I started, it showed up for me, not so much in where the anger came from, but more in um, a, an experience of feeling empowered sure. and yeah. And wanting to no longer abandon myself or deny all parts of myself. I think so many people can relate to this because at some point we hit this place of enough, our body and our mind just say no. And abandoning myself isn't worth it anymore. I'm miserable. I'd rather rock the boat than continue down this path that is so misaligned 
with what I want out of life. Um, so I, I just relate to what you're saying. And I think so many people relate to that, that fear of hurting someone's feelings and angering or disappointing people. Um, it gets eventually trumped by this overwhelming need for change to happen, that you just can't operate in this way anymore. Um, and also when you begin to get excited about life again and you start having ideas and you start feeling good and you start feeling more like yourself, I mean, as you were saying, then you want so badly to continue down that path at the cost and sacrifices um, of sometimes, you know, meeting these other people's ideals and agendas, um, because it's just worth it to you now. And so you begin to move out of this, these performative roles that you've had to survive and you start to act more purposefully and with intention. Absolutely. That's yeah. so big. That's yeah. so, so big. Sometimes that can cause a little bit of an upset. <laughs> <laughs> Because all of a sudden when we begin to enter into places that are a little more intuitive and a little more in line with who we want to be, that puzzle piece doesn't fit into the life that we created for ourselves. Um, yes. What what happened there? What was one of the hardest things that um, came about when you were making some of these, well, I guess possibly what changes, big changes did you have to make and, and what kinds of... Um, trickle-down effects took place when you began to think differently, behave differently, yeah. you know, evolve into a different version, you know, that more aligned version of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, <laughs> first of all, I was, like I said, I was a co-owner of a uh, popular Pilates and fitness studio and everything about, we were 50-50, my, my uh, partner and I. And we opened this studio and everything about it was high intensity because that was who I was at the time, right? And so as I began to experience these new possibilities, I was so excited about it that I wanted to bring it into my studio, you know? So mm -hmm. I started like adding a little mini meditation at the end of my high intensity fitness class. And, you know, in the cool down, there would be like more of a spiritual uh <laughs> Ending. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I started a women's circle. I started a oh, spiritual wow. book study. I, um, I became a health coach. I enrolled in a health coaching program. Oh, I turned, wow. we had a, we had a room that had kind of become like a storage closet. And I mean, I talked to my business partner about it. I didn't go about it without including her, but, um, she was not on this journey, but she was just kind of like, oh, okay, you know, like what, you know, so I, I turned this little storage closet into an office and I started doing health coaching and, oh, wow. you know, inevitably, um, I, I got into a place where I, I wanted to expand. I wanted my clientele to expand with me. I didn't, mm -hmm. it's like, whenever you're, you're experiencing an up level, it almost feels like you're growing out of a pair of pants that you can't, you know button anymore. And it's like, that's yes. how I felt. I was like, I'm growing out of this and I want to share this. And I, I named the part of the business. So the studio was called hip studio, high intensity Pilates. So I named this little side part of it, hip life. And, um, 
inevitably, you know, my business partner uh, didn't really, um, well, she didn't understand, you know, she wasn't on the journey. And to her, and I understand from her perspective, to her, I was like completely going off course, right? Like, like you're, you're just, you're off the tracks. I'm this off is the tracks. what we're doing. Yeah, <laughs> She's like, lost her mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be honest with you, I mean, at one point, uh, unfortunately, it did, it did get a little icky and, you know, she, she did actually say, are you having a midlife crisis? Which the only reason why I share that is because if any of the listeners are going through this kind of experience and they are questioning whether they're having a midlife crisis, I say, uh, I don't know, maybe, but also you could just be having a spiritual awakening and opening up to this next, <laughs> this next yes. version of who you are, right? Crisis just depends on who it's impacting. <laughs> okay, exactly. exactly. Awakening for me, maybe crisis for you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> So yeah, so needless to say, um, we ended up parting ways and um, mm. I had to sell my half of the business um, and I ended up opening a new business, which is, it, oh God, it was, one of the, it was one of the hardest things I've ever been through in my entire life because, yeah. you know, I, I felt so misunderstood and in my heart, I was coming from yes. such a, such a pure place of wanting to share all of these new discoveries. You know, I wasn't coming from a place of wanting to harm anybody or the business. Um, but when you're not, I mean, this happens in relationship, this happened in my marriage, you know, when you're yes. having an experience that is opening you to an, a higher version of yourself, the people that you have in your life, unless they're going through it themselves, it's going to feel incredibly threatening and scary to them because they yes. don't understand this new version. It just feels like you're changing and they don't get it and it's it's scary. So they will act out in ways that is in response to that fear. So it caused a lot I'm of problems so glad in my you marriage. Share that. Yeah. I'm so glad you share that. And a lot of times when I talk to people about this, uh, well, first of all, I think anybody who's owned a business or, or been part of something, a program that they feel really invested into, there's most definitely feels like your baby. It's yeah. another, it's another baby. You put your heart and your soul and who you are into it. And so there's a grieving process. Um, but I think also anybody who um, has gone through this, I, I think you, you say it so well that um, it can be very lonely. Um yes because you are torn between maintaining the authenticity and, and honoring your own experience while also not being able to necessarily bring everyone along um, who you love and you care about, or there aren't intentions to hurt anyone. Um, right. But um, you don't align with a lot of people in your life anymore. And, um, and then you, you said something, I think that's, that is a particular pressure point for me um, that I think a lot of people might relate to is this idea of being misunderstood mm -hmm. and um, not always being in a place or others not being in a place where they can speak your language until they're there. Mm -hmm. And, and there's something so painful about that experience of not being seen and heard and your heart seen and heard. Mm 
and having to go through something um, in that absence, in the absence of having that um, from the people who you're closest with. So I think that's just so Mm. powerful because that's one of the biggest hurdles, in my opinion, is continuing to move forward when you're you're misunderstood and and sometimes even demonized or um, it's interpreted as malicious, um, which even just it makes it more more challenging to stay the course or to honor your experience. Yes, absolutely. And to kind of circle back to what we talked about in the beginning of, you know, as far as abandoning myself, um, you know, my driver for abandoning myself, I didn't know it at the time necessarily consciously, but was to avoid being alone and avoid feeling lonely. And so here I was right on the threshold of stepping into a place where I was no longer abandoning myself, but like facing this, you know, this experience of, of being lonely. It's like, that's what I had been trying to avoid my whole life, which is why I adapted to fit in, which is why I abandoned myself because I didn't want to be lonely. I didn't want to experience the pain of loneliness, but my back issue, it, you know, it brought it to a head and it was like, this is no longer working for you, right? This is no longer working for you. You can no longer live a life where you are abandoning yourself. And so you must take the risk of feeling that loneliness and I mean, talk about, you said, you know, speaking a different language in my marriage, that was one of the most painful things I have ever experienced in my life was feeling like we are just, we were just speaking a different language and there was no, there was no getting through, you know, because what I was experiencing was so real to me. It was, I was like, this is, this is, you know, this is real. And to him, I was literally speaking a different language and, you know, I always say it's, it's like, can you just learn French so we can talk about this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can you just please just take, take three months and, and learn French? I mean, I talk to, of course, partners and business partners, friends, you know, who've experienced this where it's that idea that I, I just want them to go to therapy so that they can finally speak to me on the level that I'm at and we can actually have a real conversation about this, but we can't force those, those people to change at our pace. And that's right. so painful. And it's so scary because you've named it. You're, you're having to choose between your, your integrity and your authenticity and your own needs, yep. or um, you have to accept your, your worst fear, which is these people I care about um, I might lose. Yes. So absolutely. And business and spouse and all the things that come with that. So, yeah. so it was, and you know, when, when, you when know, you're, when you're a career change. Oh God, no, it was, it was a complete life change. And it, you know, it, for the first time in my life though, because of what meditation gave me, it gave me enough of a, connection to, to my knowing that even though, you know, my business partner was like accusing me of having a midlife crisis and my, you know, husband at the time is accusing me of, uh, you know, making the worst business decision anyone could ever make leaving this other business. And, you know, I mean, so much noise around me that I had established enough of a connection to my, my higher self, my true self, my soul self that, that I was able to 
stay the course um, and follow my heart and follow that inner voice. But it was not easy and it was filled with pain and, um, and filled with loss and, you know, inevitably ended in, in divorce. So I had a divorce from my business partner and a divorce from, from my husband. Um, so yeah, so I always say to people like, unless you're really feeling the call of your soul to go down this road of like spiritual awakening and healing, like don't do it. It's hard. (laughs) Like, unless you feel like you don't have a choice, like this is what you must do. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's definitely. I mean, just, <laughs> I just brutal. And that, that was, that was actually going to be my next question because I could just imagine here you are, our parent of two kids, young, young kids. Now you are still experiencing this back pain. You've now just realized how powerful meditation is in your life and just what a game changer it's been for your physical healing, your emotional healing. You're starting to see parts of yourself that were lost a long time ago. This has caused conflict with regards to the direction you wanted to take with your business and you ended up parting ways with your business partner. Um, tell me about how it impacted your marriage. When I, when I first started my meditation practice, um, what I what started to change in me um, was my awareness around how I communicated with my ex-husband. Um, I, let's say we just, we had a very different style of communication. (laughs) Um, he, he could be quite, uh, rough around the edges. Um, and I was more of a, a sensitive, uh, being. Um, he used to tell me when we first started dating, he, you know, he's, he's this East coast guy who, basically, um, needed to armor up in order to survive his, the culture he was raised in. Right. So, so he has a very, he has a very, uh, beautiful, uh, center, soft and gentle, but he was raised in a culture that required him to toughen up and armor Mm -hmm. up and reject, um, the weaker parts of himself. He's a cancer. So by, if you believe in astrology or, you know, zodiac signs, like by nature, he's more sensitive, but this was not okay where he was raised. So he expected that of other people and his tolerance for anything that appeared to be sensitive or weak, uh, is quite low. So I, uh, kind of met him where he was at and I adapted and adjusted to his type of communicating um, and our arguments were, were not good. They were not nice. They were not good. And I became a version of myself that I did not like. And I think that's another reason why my back happened because, you know, I was, I was loving in a way that didn't feel good. And I was being loved in a way that didn't feel good. You know, we were not our best selves. Mm-hmm. Um, so meditation started to give me access to my true self. And I stopped engaging, not all the time. It took me a long time, but I stopped engaging sometimes in the type of, yeah, the type of arguing and the type of um, communication. So this was, this was not received well 
because to him, right, he, I think. And what your cycle? And what your pattern? That's, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And the way that he, you know, the way that you show love is you fight. That's how the person knows that you really love them because you fight with them. And then you pretend like it never happened. Well, for me, I am not good at pretending like things never happened at all. Like I need to, I need to get it out. I need to express, I need to talk. And it was like, this was not acceptable in our dynamic. So I shut down a lot. Right. Um, so yeah. So I think just over the course of, as I started to change and evolve, we, our dance changed. Um, and the, the, the more empowered I became, the more fearful he became because he didn't understand it and he wasn't on that journey. And so, you know, at times the harsher he became. He also, to, to his credit, the fact that I wanted to leave a perfectly successful business <laughs> and open up a new business where we did meditation, um, he thought I was out of my mind. Like, he really, you know, it's like, how, why would you leave? And so when my, when my business partner came to me and she, she basically sent me a cease and desist and asked me, um, to end our business partnership and either buy her out or be bought out. I mean, it, it got really unfortunate. She accused me of trying to steal clients for this new business that I was wanting to open, which I initially had seen it as an extension of our business, just more of like the yin to the yang. Um, so, so at the end of the day, um, we went back and forth in this battle of who was going to buy the other one out. And I, my ex-husband wanted me to fight for the business. He wanted me to fight for the business. Mm -hmm. And I eventually got to a place where I said, I can't, I can't fight anymore. I I'm done. I'm going to walk away and I'm going to focus on this new business that I have. Mm -hmm. That was all about holistic health and healing. And, um, and he was so angry at me. He was so angry at me because I was walking away from financial, you know, income and a perfectly good business to something that he knew nothing about. And it terrified him and it angered him. And it eventually led to the demise of our marriage because I was on this path and I was like, I am, I will no longer abandon myself. I will no longer adapt to what other people think I should do or who I should be. Um, yeah. And we hung in there for, I mean, we hung in there for a while, but yes. the, the dissonance grew and grew and grew and it became more and more and more painful. And the languages that we spoke became, you know, more and more different. And so uh, different. it was incredibly, yeah. incredibly different. painful. Yeah, it was incredibly painful, but I. Uh, that is so yeah. hard. So hard. That's so, so, hard. so hard. Early on, you you mentioned too something that I think that really stands out. Um, that I I want the audience to hear again. That's so important. That some of the early signs that there are problems and that we're losing ourselves is when we become a version of ourselves in conflict that we don't like. It's yes. not just that we don't like them anymore yes. or that something's disagreeable about them or that we're having conflict a lot. Even having a lot of conflict isn't necessarily um, a sign that there's a problem. 
in the marriage um, that's right. not resolvable, um, conflict's going to happen and they're just going to be harder seasons in our lives where more opportunities for conflict and disagreement are going to just arise. But who we become and who we show up as, that just doesn't feel in line with our values and, and forces us to become a version of ourselves mm-hmm. that, that we don't like. Um, yeah, that's, that's a big piece. Of, well, there, there's a, there's um, a, a big, a big, uh, marker that I haven't shared yet on this podcast, but mm-hmm. so before I met my ex-husband, I had been sober for 12 years. So, um, mm. that was, <laughs> I went to rehab when I was 19 and I got sober. And, you know, for me being a a sensitive being, um, alcohol was something I used to help me feel like I was a part of, but it also dimmed my light. And, uh, so when I met him, I was sober 12 years and, um, it be, it quickly became clear that, uh, he wasn't going to get sober. (laughs) So, if I wanted to stay in the relationship that I was going to have to give up my sobriety or that's at least what I, that was my, you know, my, my thought. That's how I felt. Yeah. 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 So that was a, that was a, I mean, talk about like joining in his lifestyle again and to be accepted. Yeah. So back to that adapting, adapting and And it's it's lonely, you know, I was lonely. Like most people drink alcohol. And so, I didn't want to be lonely and I just wanted to be normal like everybody else. And so I made that choice. I gave up my sobriety. Um, and that, you know, I, I cannot blame him for that at all. That was my choice. Um, but it was a, it was a disempowering self abandoning choice that led me to become a version of myself that was not my best self in the relationship at all. So when I made the decision to, you know, become the better version of myself. Part of that also included giving up alcohol again, which increased the dissonance even more. Do you know what I mean? It was like the more I became empowered and the more that I returned to my true nature, the, the bigger the dissonance was and the more painful it was. Yeah. Amber, I am actually so glad you share this because I think we can all relate to this. I mean, we are first a social species. We have to acknowledge this. I mean, if we look at the Spartans during the Roman Empire, if you did not fit the mold, you know, I use air quotes, but if you did not fit within and adapt to these cultural expectations at the time, it quite literally meant death for you. I mean, there was a whole practice of elderly um, individuals in the community jumping off cliffs to their death, sacrificing themselves to preserve goods and resources for the young and strong and babies that were born with any kind of weaknesses were abandoned on hillsides. I mean, this was really survival. So we're built to adapt. We're built to contort ourselves to fit into a certain degree. Um, and there's some, there are many survival benefits to being able to adapt in these ways. But I think this is I'm glad you shared this because this is a perfect example of the consequences of over-adaptation. Um, and this is that, you know, way of managing stress and socializing that may have worked for your ex and maybe not. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but it may have worked for your ex, but it wasn't working for you. And it not only didn't feel good, but you were not operating at your highest potential either. As a business owner, as a partner, as a mom, you couldn't sustain doing things in this way. And so it became a 
a needs conflict, what I call a needs conflict. And sometimes when we need these experiences um, of actually re-experiencing abandoning ourselves again to realize that, oh yeah, I mean, no, this, this relationship and, and this way of operating in which I have to abandon certain really important aspects about my personality or my values, um, developing habits that just really don't feed me. Um, it doesn't work and I can no longer, I no longer operate healthfully under these conditions. I start to self-destruct. And I mean, this is just, I mean, you're sharing a perfect example of how that happens. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, it kind of brings me to like, yeah. you know, the, the, I mean, the name of this podcast, Single on Purpose, like I have been single since mm -hmm. my divorce in June of 2020. And I think, you know, for me, it's, it's taken this time to really um, like solidify the foundation so that I really do know who I am. And um, I'm very clear that. I won't abandon myself mm. again. And, um, I know who I am and I know why I'm here and I'm not willing to give that up again. So as much as I mm. am looking forward to sharing my life with someone, I also know that, um, until it is a man who will celebrate me, uh, you know, honoring myself and my mission and who I am, um, that it's not, a relationship that I choose. I've done that. I've been there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you've gone backwards and then you've been like, Oh, that didn't work again. It yeah. doesn't work. So it's, it's become more clear. It's the, how important those falls are, how important the, the failures are and the, the breaking down of ourself again to really clarify who, you know, who we are and what we need and honoring that and staying true to that. Well, and, as you've moved to this more evolved version of yourself, what are some of the values and the qualities in a partner um, that you seek now that you might not have prioritized when you were the younger and less evolved version of yourself? What's shifted in what you're looking for? And maybe this might not necessarily be everything that the audience is listening for, but some things that have just come with your own wisdom in realizing, um, you know, that some of the things you might have valued before didn't play out as mattering as much as you expected. And some other aspects of relationship dynamics mattered so much more. So a theme that I have uh, had in my life is um, choosing the wounded boy. Um, mm. the, the boy who had dysfunction at home, the boy who, you know, I could see the pain and I wanted to help them. I wanted to save them. I wanted my love to help them heal. I've always had that pattern. Much For much of my life, I thought that meant there was something broken with me or something wrong with me. And really what I've come to understand is that, no, I just, part of my mission and my purpose in this lifetime is to be a healer and a teacher. And um I just didn't understand that like going down into the deep, dark well with the wounded boy and becoming wounded myself wasn't the answer. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Or the role the I, role. I, I might want to be a healer, but I don't necessarily want to be married to it. <laughs> That's right. Well, and to answer yeah. your question, like as far as, you know, partnerships moving forward or even just people that I help, like 
I definitely want somebody who uh, has already had the awareness that there's some healing that needs to happen in their own life. They have that awareness. And, you know, nobody's perfect. Mm -hmm. I understand that this is a lifetime journey and I will forever be growing and evolving and healing. And I, I know that the little girl in me has core wounds that will be triggered and, you know, but I'm looking forward to Mm -hmm. being in partnership with someone who speaks my same language, who speaks this language and understands, you know, that, that we all have a little boy and a little girl who has these wounds that can be triggered, but that we are on this healing journey now and we have the awareness and we can communicate about it. Um, and it's not my job. It's not my job to save anybody. And in fact, in my experience, when I've tried to save people, I've lost myself. So you realize you can't. Yeah. And then the second piece of it is it, it has to be them. And yeah. then in order to get the support that you need and show up in the dynamic that you need from a partnership, um, there needs to be some self-responsibility, some accountability, some self-awareness, already some work already. taking place and some willingness to work. For sure. Already existing. That's For so sure. big. That's so big. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it's so interesting that you bring up the businesses as well, because um, I say this all the time. Uh, if you're not in business with your husband or spouse, getting married becomes one. <laughs> there's, right. there's the love and there's the chemistry and there's the, the friendship and all these different components to marriage. But nobody talks about how much of a business it is and how imperative that you don't necessarily have to have all of the same hobbies. You don't even have to have all the same values. But there are some core values that really have to take place that are present there. Yes, And when you're going through big growths and you're going through risky moves and taking chances and evolving and, and doing things there, the value of having a partner who can support you and back you and understand, uh, not just what you're doing, but why you're doing it and, and can support you because we need that when the going gets tough and to be going through all the changes you are going through desperately needing the support of people in your life who understand who you are in it and can keep you going when it's easy for us to give up, you know, it's easy for you to, to give up on those dreams. And, um, that doesn't mean they always tell you what you want to hear. Um, and that they don't, you know, give their constructive feedback and their own wisdom and contribute in certain ways, but there's an element of knowing your essence and knowing your soul and, and being willing to, to support that. And, um, and some of those things don't get really teased out early on in relationships unless there's purposeful conversation around it. Yeah. I mean, I never, I never was like consciously choosing partners. It was like, Oh, I like this person. Oh, this feels good. Oh yeah. We have these things in common, but like, I didn't have a clear picture of what was important to me to even say like, Oh, does this person have this quality or not? I had no idea. I was like, I like them. They like me. We're having fun. Um, so now I think I just have, I have a much clearer understanding of what is important <laughs> to me. Yes. I just love that you are working so well together with your husband and that your kids are able to feel loved and supported and that they can, you know, have both of you so present in your life. And you said something that, that even, um, 
this past year, this past Christmas in Florida, you actually stayed with them for the holidays, stayed with your in-laws, your Mm -hmm. ex-in-laws for the holidays, and you were able to celebrate Christmas together. And um, I imagine this did not happen overnight. (laughs) It did not happen right after the divorce. Um, Can you tell me a little bit more about what it took? I I love that you phrase in your, um, in your show, this, this conflict between the ego and the soul how you two, or at least your part of it, um, overcame this ego in order to get to a place where you were able to recollide and reconnect with your ex-husband in a different way that still allowed you to have a relationship with him, um, have some mutual respect and um, support your children together. Yeah, let's see. Um, well, I think First and foremost, in order for um, there to be healing on the other side of a divorce, um, there also must be the willingness to take responsibility for, I'll speak for myself, a willingness for me to take responsibility for my role in our marriage and my role in the dance that we did. It's never one person's fault that something doesn't work out. So I have done a lot of soul searching and a lot of work to be able to see clearly um, my contribution to why it ended up not working. And so there's no blame. There's no, um, it's your fault, right? There's, There's a lot of, for me, um, compassion. Yeah. Like tell me what the ego says, the ego says versus what the soul is saying. What does this battle sound like? Yeah. So the ego experiencing it, hearing it. Yeah. I mean, the ego is like, so in my show, you mentioned my show. So I wrote, uh, a one woman show called waking up to all of me. And there are the two main narrators, ego and soul. And ego is this like East coast guy who's like, I'm here to protect you. I'm here to keep you safe you know, uh, help you belong. And, um, you know, this guy also says like, this guy's an asshole. This is why you're right. He's wrong. Right. Like this is why you, you know, so, I mean, the ego is, is, and, and you can build a case too. Like you and the ego go to go to your friend to go listen to what he said. And the ego said, yeah, can you believe this? And everybody around you is going to go, yeah, man, he's a, he's a real jerk. You're right. But the, <laughs> right, but the soul self goes. She has a British accent, and she's very, you know. So she says, Amber. I mean, if you really are honest with yourself, I mean, you chose to drink alcohol again, and that was at the very beginning of the relationship, right? So, like, I made a disempowering a disempowering choice. I chose to abandon myself to meet him where he was at. So I can't fault him for that. I can't blame him for that. That was a there you go. That was a pattern of my own. And so there's no there's no like you know, well we didn't work because you. Right? Like we didn't work because we didn't speak the same language and when I started growing in this direction, he didn't. And he's on his journey and I'm on mine. And I'll tell you one thing, it it makes me want to cry, but he loves our children more than anything. Um. And so I think that when you can zoom out beyond your own pain 
and see that this man really like he loves the children that you had together. And if you can find a way to come together, it means so much. It means so much to the children. Like it breaks my heart when I see people who are divorced who can't find a way, you know, to come together um, in a in any capacity that uh, helps the children not. You know, it's like, it's so painful for kids to have to go through their parents splitting up. It's, it's devastating. And so for me, like if we can, if we can find a way to be together in a different form and, um, you know, have it be a peaceful, loving environment, like he actually has a girlfriend, he's had a girlfriend for a couple of years and we all get along and she's lovely and my children love her. Um, and you know, when I chose to go back to Florida for Christmas, the year before, it was my first Christmas where I wasn't with my kids and he took them to Oof. his families. And oh my God, Lindsay, like my heart was just like your heart. It broke my heart. And so we just yes. told, we, de- we decided like, we don't want to do that. <laughs> we want to be able to be yeah. with our kids on holidays and and I think sometimes it takes those moments too, where you, where you realize, oh, it, it, there's something worse than this, than my ego and my humility um, around this. There's something worse, and it's, yeah, a loss like not getting to experience something big with your children. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of grieving go that goes on, right? A lot of the, a lot of grieving yeah. when you let go of a family unit. But if you, but if you can find new ways that feel good, um, it's going to look different. You know, it's, I mean, when I flew back from Florida, his girlfriend flew in and spent the rest of the trip with them. And, you know, I had a few moments on the flight home by myself, like, you know, it's, it's, it's different. It's different than what I imagined my life would be, but, but it is what it is. and. I, above all else, am, you know, true to myself and I feel proud of who I am modeling for my children that, you know, when, when I'm, when you're modeling for your children, acts of, you know, like disempowering choices or abandoning yourself or not modeling self-love like that, that's not what I want to do or who I want to be. So even though it's painful and even though it doesn't look like how I thought it would look, I know that I love myself and I'm. I'm modeling that for my children. And we had a great time. Like we had a fantastic time for Christmas. So. Oh, and it, it, in it, in taking these little steps, these brave choices, really, to me, it takes so much courage and humility and lots of little brave moments and, and humbling moments Mm -hmm. (laughs) to take those steps and doing that. We do build some strength and we do build courage and we do uh, realign ourselves with our values. And some of those pain points become a little more tolerable and we are, are able to get, to get more in line because we give ourselves opportunity to benefit the outcome of making those, those more in line choices. And I'm so glad you say that it's, I wouldn't say that it's always beautiful at first, but it can evolve into something beautiful. And I think I'm so glad you're sharing this because it gives hope to so many, I mean, over 50% of our population is divorced now. So many of our listeners are entering, they're exiting a a relationship 
with children involved and they're still in it deeply. And um, it's not always possible. And I don't want to say that it's always possible for, for exes to always resume a healthy co-parenting and, and a, a really civil relationship. I know some who've, we're still on volleyball teams together and <laughs> they get along right. and they, there was a, the, an understanding that the, the relationship expired, but the ultimate goal is to be able to have that mutual love and respect. And um, the idea that a blended family doesn't necessarily have to be an entirely broken family, that it can right. heal and it can heal differently. You know, it's like a tree that's fallen and you see all the roots and the vines, you know, just, they, 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 you know, grow and, and evolve together in, in a different way that ends up being sometimes even more beautiful than it started. And, um, and in that children can be loved by, you know, your future partner. Um, if that is in, you know, in the stars for you and the, you know, I hope so, Lindsay. Partners. I hope so. I'll, I'll root for you. I hope you have many opportunities for many, 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 much more love in your life. You so much more life. Why do we have to stop at one? Yeah. I, I uh, worked with a woman who was on our fifth husband. I'm not as her therapist. I've, I, a mentee underneath her. Okay. Um, she, she was on her fifth marriage oh my God. But, um, in her eighties. And, and she, she's just like, they all just keep dying on me. Oh my God. <laughs> so she always said, I just hope you have as many opportunities to get married and love again. I love that. Feedback because this idea that, you know, um, we're, we've got one person out there for us. Maybe, you know, I, I don't really buy into any particular ideology, but how beautiful it would be at the idea that you get to experience many forms of love in your life that evolve with who you are and what your needs are at that time. But, um, yes. but, but yes. in that, yes. as we as we attract more love and more um, alignment, um, our children benefit from that as well. But we don't need to be afraid of that or fear that it's hurting our child. Um, there's obviously a, a very conscious way of engaging our children into in that world and engaging new partners into the world that we've built for our children. Yeah. But um, and and there's a way to do that lovingly and and in a way that still protects them. But um, you know, just that that children can benefit they're not hurt by more people loving them and caring about them in their life. <laughs> well, and I will, I will tell you like that. I mean, for, for the listeners that are, you know, at the beginning of this process, yes. one of the hardest things I went through, honestly, was watching my children grow to love this woman. Not because, mm. not because she, she's lovely. I mean, she's lovely. She's kind. She's been always incredibly gracious and wonderful to me. Um, and to my children. Um, but like watching another woman be in like a mother figure, it definitely mm -hmm. took some adjustment. And I went home and cried myself, you know, to sleep many nights. I just that. But, yes. but I have come to a place where most of the time I'm able to see how she only brings more love to them, really. Like they, and it doesn't take away from their love that they have for me. I, I think that's, that's what's it. really important. Ego and the soul right there. The ego that's says right. there's right. only, there's a limited amount. And if that's it's right. not for me, yes. That's exactly the right. The soul says, what could possibly be wrong with more people loving your children? Like, and I, 
you know, when I'm more, more in that space, that's exactly how I feel, you know, and she's so, she really is so good to them. Um, so that, and that's what I look forward to when I have a partner, you know, is, is just having another man who can love my children. You know, they have a dad, they have a, a wonderful relationship with their dad. So they don't need someone to replace that, but just sure. more, more people to love them. And sure. Sure. You think about all the, the people who've influenced you in your life and, yeah. and the people that were in your life in your early life that just had such a powerful impact. And yeah. um, again, not everybody has that. It's tricky when you can't always choose your part, your, your ex partners. I know. I, know. <laughs> no, I, I feel, oh. I feel very blessed. I, I know that yeah. there, I know that there are people that don't have that experience, but um, so I'm, I'm very grateful for, you know, for what and, could potentially be like the most, you know, like a really icky experience. Um, I've sure. been blessed. Yeah. Sure. And to acknowledge, but to even have, hold the openness and, and I'm really, I, I, I appreciate uh, your honesty around, even when it is, an ideal situation, how painful and hard that is yeah. to to move through all the feelings that come up with that or that want to protect you and keep you safe and, and that tell you that there's potential threat out there. Yeah. Um, and to be able to move through that, that's, and when it's your children. And, mm. and communi- <laughs> communicating with your children too. Like, yes. you know, there have been some times where I haven't been able to like um, hide my feelings. And sure. they're, sure. they're smart. Kids are so smart and they're so intuitive, you know? And Maybe so they, they've said like, are you jealous of her? Are you, you know, are you, and I've just said, you know, guys, there are times where it's hard, you know, it's hard, but she's wonderful. You know, I mean, I'm always able to communicate it from that place, but I've been honest with them and they've seen me, you know, they've seen me shed some tears for sure, you know, yeah. but I'm honest yeah. with them. And, and it's, I, okay. it's okay for them to see you go through your process as well. I think so. Right. To some extent, like they have to see that I'm human and, you know, I, I, I always tell them when they're having big feelings or, you know, crying or I say, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Like it's important to be able to express our feelings and share our feelings. And it's important too, I think for them to see that I, I'm able to recover and, and, and to see my resilience. Yeah. You know? Yes. So but I feel it. And then um, they see me being okay. Um, so I think that's important. And you're just opening that door. You're opening that door for when it happens to them or when they experience right. something similar. They know mom knows. Mom knows what this feels like. I can talk to her about that. Yes. Yeah. She'll understand. I think that's so important. I'm glad you're sharing that as well. And it's, mm-hmm. it is, it's hard and it's, and, and it's, it's not like you go through it and then those feelings go away and you never experience the little, you know, the little triggers and the little moments and the little stabs here and there that you right. don't, that it, you know, it, it's a process that you're constantly working through. And oh, so yeah. thank you for sharing that. And, and I think that's, that's been one of the biggest things for someone who's really wanting to start on their journey. I think that would be a really great place for us to kind of end here is for someone who's trying to get started, they just say, I'm, I'm not in alignment. I, I, there's something wrong. I don't even know what's wrong. What would you, what would you advise to someone who's trying to just know where to begin? Well, to remind them that deep within them, they do know 
Um, mm -hmm. And that ultimately, uh, trust learning to trust that inner voice will lead them down the path that brings them back to their truest self that feels the most in alignment. Um, you know, that, that little, we all have that little voice. Sometimes it's like very, very quiet. Sometimes it's very loud, but that soul voice, that soul voice never totally goes away. I mean, for me, there've been times where it's close, you know, like when I went to rehab at 19, I mean, the, the voice of the soul was like almost totally gone, okay. <laughs> but, but it's there. And so if someone is at a place where they're saying, there's got to be more, I feel there's more, I don't know what it is, that mm. is the voice, right? Mm. That, is the, that is the soul saying mm. there's more. So listening to that, paying attention to that, honoring that, trusting that, and then letting it take you down the path, right? Each, we don't, as much as we want to see the whole big picture, we don't get to. We get to take one step at a time. We get to, mm. you know, feel the, hear the voice, feel it in our body, take the step. And, um, you know, we get confirmation along the way. Also, I would say reaching out to other sources, whether it be a friend who you know that have made, has maybe gone through something similar or, you know, a podcast or a book or a coach or a class, um, you know, something that, that speaks to that deep soul self and just saying yes to that, say, continuing to say yes to each little wow. whisper of the soul. Yeah. I love that. So a little more in, of that energy towards the yes and towards the positive. Cause my, when you were first saying that I was, my thought was, you know, how do I discern between how would this person discern between something that is really a no and really, you know, and versus something that is a yes, but is scary. Right. How do they, how can they tell? Well, okay. So in my experience, and again, I mean, I had my spiritual awakening in 2014 and I just this past year, you know, wrote and performed my one woman show where the, the vision of ego and soul came to me. So it, it wasn't there right off the bat, you know, it's, it's taken me some time, but having those two voices, um, when ego is driving the car, I am uh, there's like restriction in my body. I feel defensive. Mm. I feel insecure. I have anxiety. Um, I feel all alone. Um, I feel like I'm, I need to be a people pleaser. I worry about what other people are thinking. I'm, I doubt myself when I'm allowing soul to drive the car. It might be scary, but there's something in me that like, it's like a little, like, Oh my God, I think like, this feels right. This feels right. Like, it's terrifying. It's a thrill. It's a roller coaster ride, but yeah. it's not a, it's not doom and gloom and. No, it's a, it's a, I, yeah. I mean, when I, when I, and it's just one step at a time, like writing mm. my show and performing it was, I mean, I had so many times where the voice of ego was like, are you crazy? Like, you're going to tell you, like, this is stupid, right? Like, <laughs> And, but, but like the, so, but I have, I have, I have established a, a, enough of a relationship with my soul voice 
that even when that ego is coming in, I'm like, okay, pal, here's the deal. Like you were the louder one most of my life. Now soul is louder. So like, I hear you, I get you. I appreciate you wanting to try to protect me, but I'm doing this, right? Like I'm writing a book right now. I mean, I'm like, what? But my soul just, my soul just knows. My soul just knows. And everybody's soul just knows. It's just a matter of saying yes. And it's saying yes to the little, to to the little little voice. And it feels, it makes you feel the most like you. Like when I, when I start, when I start coaching somebody, I always, some of the first questions I ask them are, what were the things that you liked to do the most when you were a child? For me, dancing, acting, singing, these are the things that were natural. I felt natural doing that. So what are the things that that you loved as a child, because chances are those are the things that are the most natural. Those are your most natural gifts. That is soul alignment. So maybe start to be work. Huh? It's not going to be the same kind of work. Right. That part of yourself. Yes. So uh, that's, I mean, you asked me what advice I would give. I would give advice like ask yourself, what did your child self love to do? And maybe start to explore that. Like it doesn't have to make any sense, right, with what you're doing in your life right now. But if you loved to do musical theater when you were a kid, like, I don't know, like, whatever. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a, a, no. an actor right away. But that the elements of that kind of. Yeah. Go see musicals, right? Go yes. like start to like explore the things that light you up, that make you feel alive, that make you feel like the the most like your soul self. You know, like I teach a cardio dance class. I love to dance. Dancing is something that makes me feel the most aligned with my soul. So whatever, whatever it is, start to explore those possibilities and just start to dabble in it and feel yourself play. come back to life. Yes, play. Play and it will kind of come to you. It will. It will unfold. It's the it's the puzzle. Like you don't get to see the whole puzzle. You just have to put one piece at a time, and it starts to fill in, and you start to see the bigger picture. Right. I love that. I love that. And I I think I'm sure you've experienced this. I've personally experienced this as you begin to do those things again, even when there are aspects of it that are really difficult. They're challenging technical difficulties or access difficulties, whatever it might be that you're reaching for. Um, there, there, there's a certain battle that you would fight in other areas of your life that just doesn't exist there. <laughs> there's no internal battle there. There's a, yeah. a clarity and an internal resol- resolve around why you're doing it, what you're doing it for, which makes the work of it much more easy and, and, and just the flow of evolving into those activities, but it does kind of have a snowball effect of, um, accidentally becoming easier and easier (laughs) because it's just so true to your nature to, to participate in, in the world in that way. So yeah, it's not work. It it stops being work. So yeah, yeah, that's so huge. It's so huge. And then I love that you also brought it back to the body and this element of that tension too, that you feel when it's out of alignment. Mm -hmm. And when you've been out of alignment for so long, I would say it's like a frog in hot water. You you don't even recognize that until you've been out of it. And then when you go back, you're like, oh, that doesn't feel good. Now I know what that felt like. Um, But sometimes it does take being away from it to really be able to 
discern and see and feel and be like, oh yeah, that I felt that my whole life. And I just thought that was the normal state of things. <laughs> I know. So, oh yeah. Most people I would say walk around with, with a disconnect uh, yeah. to, you know, to, to their yeah. body or, t- I mean, and I call it sunglasses. It's like, you're just, everything's just a little dimmer. It, you know, yeah. it's not until you finally get those sunglasses taken off. You're like, oh my God, the colors, it's so bright. Yeah. You're like, this is how <laughs> it's here. <laughs> what? So gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, sure. Amber, thank you so much for sharing all of you, yeah. or at least a little bit of you <laughs> with today. And um, this has just been so valuable. I would absolutely love to have you back on for another episode at some point. I would point. love to. And, I would love to. Um, you are just doing amazing things in the world. And I am definitely coming to one of your classes because, yes. yeah, I saw a couple of your videos. You guys <laughs> have to check out her videos online. And if you are interested in working with Amber, check out her website at allome, A-L-L-O-M-I.com or follow her on Instagram at ambersusa.allome. Um, and your next show is called Waking Up to All of Me at the Hollywood Fringe, and it's going to be at the festival in June. Yes, there will be. It's going to be at the Zephyr Theater, and there I'm waiting for confirmation, but there will be three dates in June. So I will be awesome. I will be sharing about that more as I as I get the awesome. And if you guys want to check it out, there's already a raving review online through the NoHoArtsDistrict.com. Um, if you want to learn a little bit uh, more about the show, and um, apparently it did incredibly well. So congratulations, yeah. Amber, on Thank the you. success of your first show. And I'm so excited to possibly be able to make it to your next one in June. So um, stay tuned for that. And I will definitely be posting about it when when um, all of that's made official as okay. well. So thank you all for listening. Thank you so much, Amber. Thank and you. Um, thank you. And I am Lindsay Burke, and you all can follow me at Lift Therapy. I truly look forward to connecting with you all again next time. Take care. I hope that episode was helpful. Hey, listen, if you want to share your singlehood journey, if you've gone somewhere, come back. If you have revelations and wisdom, please share your story. It's going to help other people. Nothing makes us feel more connected than hearing other people's stories. So just send me the audio of your story and you could just record it directly from your phone and email it to theangrytherapist at gmail.com. Also, if you want our Single on Purpose newsletter, go to singleonpurpose.life. That's singleonpurpose.life. You will get tools and articles and other people's stories and also uh, Zoom links to private gathers. So if you want to join our community, go to singleonpurpose.life. Thank you for listening. Be well. We hope you tell a friend. Hey, before you go, I want to invite you to the Single on Purpose private community online. It's off of social media, no ads, no algorithms. We got forums, we got live groups, we got webinars, and we have social hangs. We also have offline in-person hangs happening soon. So check us out. Go to singleonpurpose.life. That's singleonpurpose.life. And I will see you inside.